This is session six of the Wellbeing Beyond Measure series. I have been recording this for technically six or seven weeks because there was an introductory episode and then there was a pre-introduction episode. And each of these episodes have been me experimenting with some different training and coaching frameworks related to handling the challenges that come up in life during uncomfortable times. Like how do we take really good care of ourselves? How do we navigate tough times? And each of the sessions have built upon each other, setting the foundation with getting clear about who we are and what we want, the awareness, then deciding if we have goals visions, plans, things that we want to focus on, really gaining clarity on our strengths and values, learning how to manage stress and develop more self-compassion. And today, the subject matter is communication. And I had a structure for this in mind originally that I would like to return to. I know there was a specific reason I saved this communication for this point. And I think it's because it's really helpful to have a strong understanding of ourselves, who we are, what we want, before we start focused on the external experience, like coming back around it or, or starting with the internal experience. A lot of us start outward and don't pay a ton of attention to the inward experience. Some of us call ourselves people pleasers, perfectionists. We are hoping that we get validation. We are hoping that other people will make decisions for us, that other people will be the reason for living or something. You know, other people play a big role in our lives. And that's a huge part of our well being, our friendships, our partnerships, our romance, our children if if whether you have children as a parent or you have animals that you consider children little different type of communication there or maybe you just have children in your in your life i mean there are so many key parts of communication and then there's also professional elements there's occupational elements there's academic elements of communication having a boss a manager a teacher a coworker other students Lots of different people we interact with and, of course, strangers. So people are all around us for the most part. And that's all going to depend on how you live and where you live. If you live in a big city, if you live in a small town, if you have a job, if you go to school, if you have a family, each of these factors is very unique to each of us. And part of my mission with this series is not taking that one size fits all approach to things and not trying to give you a framework, I should say, not trying to give you specific rules or best practices, but really building a framework so that you can start to decide what works best for you given the stage of your life and your circumstances. And when it comes to communication, there are a few things that people tend to want to work on. One of them is feeling like they're understood, that they can express feelings comfortably and clearly. Setting boundaries is a big part of communication, not always something we think about until we might find ourselves in a situation 
where we wish we had set boundaries, that hindsight experience often comes up with communication. Learning to have more empathy and more compassion for others, understanding that our perspectives are truly our perspectives and rarely reality because sometimes people have different perspectives on things. In fact, often they do. People tend to think differently than us, live differently than us. Our brains are made up of all of our individual relative experiences and so many factors. So we can work on improving critical thinking and forming different, different ways of relating to one another. Another big element of this is loneliness. A lot of people struggle with feelings of loneliness. In fact, amongst the many resources that I will share in the show notes in the description of this episode, which is right there on your podcast player, is an article on how loneliness changes the way our brains process the world. And it's an interesting read to really acknowledge loneliness that we might be experiencing and or being aware of how other people experience loneliness. Because some people call this an epidemic. It's a very common thing. And many of us feel disconnected because of this digital world that we live in. We can feel disconnected and lonely when we feel like things are so off balance or so polarized, people just fighting with one another. The wars that are happening can be incredibly triggering. Debates, this partisan viewpoint on life. And loneliness is not only the perceived absence of others, but also a desire for connection. The article also says, although no one enjoys the feeling of loneliness, scientists have argued that humans evolved to feel this way for a good reason. Social relationships are crucial, providing safety, resources, opportunities to have children, and so on. The fact that we find the feeling of loneliness so unpleasant often motivates us to reconnect with others, bringing with it all of these benefits. So sometimes being aware of loneliness can actually help us connect more. Feeling lonely can also induce social withdrawal and other types of negative thinking, which can make it harder to connect with people. So that's another opportunity to reflect on what's going on for you right now. How are you feeling about your relationships with other people? And where does communication come into play in your specific situation that is? I want to touch upon quality time. There's a phenomenal resource that you might have heard of called The Five love languages. It's a pretty popular book that goes through the different ways that other people experience love. And one of them is quality time. Another is words of affirmation, big form of communication, acts of service, doing things for other people, gift givings. People just sometimes enjoy receiving things. doesn't have to be a literal gift and physical touch. And all of those are forms of communication. Um, to me, quality time is huge. I, I'm a big quality time person. That's right up there with words of affirmation. And, and that book actually helped me become a better communicator, especially in romantic relationships. But I found like it actually ended up supporting me in all different types of relationships in my life, just being able to express what I need, what makes me feel good, what makes me feel loved and respected and important in people's 
And I found this resource of some quality time examples, things that we can do that might not be verbal communication, but just doing something with people so that they feel loved and acknowledged if this speaks to them. So that could be going out to eat. A lot of people like to do that. Watching TV or movie. Maybe you're not actually talking to one another, but you're just being there with each other. Going for a walk, playing games, attending events, cooking, on and on. So many examples of this. So the aim is also to start to understand the different forms of communication that work well for people and how do you actually reach them in a way that they understand. I mentioned empathy and I have a quote from one of my favorite authors who was actually a guest on this show a while back. Every time I think about that, I feel so fortunate to have had her on this podcast. Her name is Celeste Headley. She's written many wonderful books and one that I have a quote from is called We Need to Talk. And she says, compassion is the ability to say, I feel for you. Empathy is the ability to say, I feel with you. Compassion allows you to remain separate from the other person. It allows you to see them as other. It can devolve into pity. Empathy forces you to feel connected to the other person and to recognize we are all human, all struggling, all linked. Another quote that resonates with me around this is Standall, who said, all human behavior is either an act of love or a cry for love. And I think when we can recognize these basic human needs of wanting to feel loved, that it can actually help us build more empathy. If we can work on seeing people, feeling with them, not just feeling for them, and really move towards more unity as opposed to these feelings of separation that a lot of us unfortunately feel very frequently. But there are also going to be times where talking can actually have the opposite effect. I found this wonderful article from The Atlantic titled, People Aren't Meant to Talk This Much. And it touches mostly around social media, given that we can find ourselves over communicating and actually that can lead us down to that path of loneliness as i mentioned that can lead us to feelings of being separate from one another different from one another arguing getting frustrated there's a ton of research done around the way that social media impacts us and it might be negatively impacting our communication it's one of the big reasons that I stepped away from social media in 2023 and I've continued to do that now in 2024 is I I noticed that as much as I have this deep love for social media there's a lot of elements of those the various platforms that speaks to me but on a personal level I didn't feel like it was adding I felt like it was subtracting it was putting me in a place of comparison I was often feeling like other people didn't understand me. I was feeling like I had trouble communicating what I really wanted to say. I was taking in other people's opinions and things like that. So that form of communication just did not resonate with me. And this article from The Atlantic is super interesting. It starts off with Dunbar's number. If you're not familiar with it, 
a British psychologist named Robin Dunbar talked about how many people with whom you can have meaningful relationships. And that total number was 150. But we have our most intimate and most connected relationship with only about five to 15 people. 15 people total, like closest friends, probably also includes family members and all of that. So you can think about these different kind of tiers of people in life. Okay, who are we closest to and how do we want to communicate with them? Who are these other people? If we look at this Dunbar number, maybe up to 150 bonds that we have, how do we communicate with them? And then also the stranger side of it, I think going back to Celeste's quote, building that empathy. So it's not necessarily somebody that you feel bonded to or connected to or have a level of intimacy with, but still being aware of how you impact one another. One thing I also pondered a lot as I was working through this is how we can take a lot of things very personally and make assumptions about how other people communicate. Really, we can only take account for how we communicate and then how we respond to other people's communication. Sometimes people don't communicate with us at all. That's a struggle for me. It's kind of interesting timing right before I started today's recording session. I heard from a friend that I barely speak to and sometimes feel really sad about this. This is someone I consider a very close friend. They would be in my Dunbar's number. But I don't know if they would be in my 15 closest friends because we barely talk. We probably connect like once a year. And I found myself recently yearning for more and wondering like, why hasn't this person made more of an effort? I've been trying to make an effort to connect with them, but sometimes they just don't respond. And being aware of the lack of response as a form of communication, sometimes it's personal. Sometimes this person doesn't want to talk to us. But in many cases, there's probably something else going on. They might have trouble communicating. They don't know what to say or how to say it. Another thing I can relate to, I have a, a friend who's a newer person in my life. We mostly just text one another on occasion. And we've, we've created a nice dynamic. And this person texted me, I think, on Monday. Today's Friday that I'm recording this. They texted me on Monday and I haven't responded yet because I didn't know how I wanted to formulate my response to them. So by knowing how my experience is on that side of it's not always personal, I just maybe don't have the energy to compose what I want to say, to condense it down. I have so many ideas, so many different things I want to say, and that can feel really overwhelming. Many people are struggling with various elements of their lives. Maybe they too feel overwhelmed. They could be going through mental health challenges, physical health challenges. They could be overwhelmed, feeling really busy. I found the older I get and the more friends of mine that have children, that also adds a huge dynamic shift there too. So we can go through different stages of life and certain things can impact us to the point where we might not communicate as much as we would like to, where communication can feel really challenging. And I found going back to that friend of mine who I probably only connect with once a year, I still have deep love for them. I probably always will. So we don't need to communicate quite as much. Even if I want to, we don't necessarily need to to consider when we communicate, when we don't, and what does that mean? Reminding ourselves that we cannot change others, 
we can change the way we relate to others. So a few things that we can consider around this. I wanted to start with something Thich Nhat Hanh said. One of the greatest gifts we can give another is our full attention. Now, going back to what I just said, maybe our full attention isn't available very often. But when we can look at that as such a beautiful gift, when can we give somebody our full attention? Who do we give our full attention to? That article has a great point around the Dunbar's number. We can't give every person we meet our full attention. Maybe there's only one person or just a handful of people that we can truly give our full attention to sometimes. This is another element of social media and digital life in general. It's led to a lot of us feeling very distracted. Another example I can give in terms of attention, I recently came back from a camping trip and I didn't have cell service in this area. I went with a small group of people and one night we were sitting around the campfire. I looked around and realized something really unique was happening, which is that none of us were on our cell phones because we didn't have cell service. There was no reason aside from taking photos, which occasionally somebody would do or videos. But aside from that, I was with these people for about 48 hours and it was rare to see anyone holding a cell phone in their hand. And I thought, wow, given that is rare these days, it's a little sad for me, but it was such a gift because I felt like I had their full attention. Even as a group, technically our attention gets split up, but it was such a joy to be around people where they weren't distracted by digital input. And I'm a big advocate for bringing awareness to that. Like how often are we splitting, dividing our attention? And what if we can shift it to thinking we are almost taking away from something? Or what if we could give somebody the incredible opportunity to be connected without a device there? Now, there's a variety of different ways that we can also cultivate this attention. So camping, if that works for you, going somewhere where you don't have service, maybe attending a conference, a talk or a program. In fact, right now I'm recording this digitally through the Beyond Measure community, but this counts as a way for people to gather. There are live viewers right now that came together. They chose to spend their time here and listen. But before I started recording this episode, we just hung out and talked. So maybe it's an in-person experience that you want, or maybe it's a virtual experience like I provide within the Beyond Measure community where people can come together and give each other attention. It sounds a little counterintuitive because it's still a digital form of communication, but maybe we can shift the way that we view those things and give someone our full attention in that format. That can be participating in activity together and doing new things with a group of people can be really great in helping us stay open-minded and expanding our horizons. We can pursue new opportunities. In fact, one of the friends that I mentioned in these examples today, I met when I did a self-defense class. That was something new for me. Unexpectedly, because I was with a group of strangers, I met a bunch of new people 
And one of them I've maintained a friendship with for about a year now. Didn't see that coming, but it was a beautiful result of expanding my horizons. Also, there are many benefits to reading. So if you're more introverted, maybe you don't want to do a ton of socializing. Research has found, and many people have pointed out, the benefits of improving our communication simply by reading. Mark Manson said, we must read because it is the only way to truly know what it feels like to be in someone else's mind. For you book lovers out there, it's such a great point, right? Whether you're reading fiction or nonfiction, someone else's words give us the opportunity to see things from their perspective and build that empathy. In fact, reading builds empathy. It can change our perspectives on life. Maybe we can seek out something that's very different from how we currently think or live just to build that empathy muscle, to be intentional about it. One of my favorite books along these lines is called The Righteous Mind, and it was a big eye-opener for me. A quote that I pulled related to today's topic is that if you really want to change someone's mind on a moral or political matter, you'll need to see things from that person's angle as well as your own. And if you do truly see it the other person's way, deeply and intuitively, you might even find your own mind opening in response. Empathy is an antidote to righteousness. That book is really great if you are struggling with very polarizing, divisive things like politics and religion. That's the whole subject matter of that. And, and that can feel really tricky to navigate too. How, how do we communicate with people who really think differently and live differently than us? That book is a phenomenal resource. It's also helpful for us to understand our communication style. And Princeton has a great resource around the four different communication styles, which are passive communication, aggressive communication, passive-aggressive communication, which many people reference, and assertive communication. Passive communication is not expressing feelings or needs ignoring your own personal rights and allowing others to do, deferring to others for decision-making in order to avoid tension or conflict. And this can often lead to misunderstanding, built-up anger or resentment. Some people do this when they're trying to avoid a violent experience. So I think it's important to always consider the context, right? Sometimes we are doing things to literally protect ourselves. And sometimes other people may be doing those things to protect themselves too. And that could be from physical violence or any sort of psychological safety need. I think as we go through these forms of communication, it's important not to judge ourselves and the way other people communicate without really understanding the root of it. Aggressive communication can be expressing feelings, needs, and ideas at the expense of others, ignoring others' rights in order to support your own, being defensive or hostile. This can be very alienating. It could hurt other people. It also can help people meet their needs very quickly. There is a time and a place for being aggressive. It can also show up in our body language too. It's not just in our words, but it can be the way that we're physically holding our bodies. Passive aggressive communication is something a lot of us are familiar with. 
comes up a lot in life. It's pointed out a lot. This is generally when somebody tries to appear very passive on the surface, but is subtly acting out anger. They may be trying to exert control over others through sarcasm, indirect communication, or trying to avoid a, a conversation altogether. That can be very passive. And it's thinking through how can we be more considerate for the rights, needs, and feelings of others? And again, is there a purpose? Is there a reason that you or other people are being passive aggressive? Do you want to shift it? Is it the right time to shift it? And how do you want to do that? Mark Manson said, how many things are you doing in your life right now to get back at someone or prove them wrong? What would happen if you stopped? I find myself doing this because <laughs> I often feel misunderstood. I want to feel seen and heard and valued. I think we all do. These are very common and basic human needs. So sometimes checking ourselves and saying, what do I need right now? Or what am I not getting? I don't feel validated. I don't feel heard. I feel misunderstood. I often have a good cry over this. I talk about these things in therapy. You know, it's, it's okay if you feel that. It's okay if you're trying to control someone. Sometimes we learn this from others. It is modeled to us by parents and teachers and our peers. And I mean, these are such common forms of communication. It's no wonder we pick them up. Again, this is a reason why I try to limit things like social media because I feel overly exposed to some forms of to some forms of communication that just don't resonate with me. Now, there's a fourth form of communication that a lot of people strive for because it's a big shift away from the others, and that's assertive communication. It's often direct and honest, sharing thoughts and feelings. It's respectful of the feelings, ideas, and needs of others while also asserting our own. It can be very effective, especially with people that we feel threatened by. But some people can misinterpret assertive behavior as aggressive, especially women. They often get misinterpreted around this. I think it's a great skill to learn assertive communication, to study that. I have a link to there.com, which has an article on how to learn assertive communication in five steps. I'll also link to a book I read a few years ago called The Assertiveness Workbook. I pulled a quote from that book that said, we don't pretend that we're perfect. We become ourselves. We allow ourselves to be there. And that book has some beautiful examples of how we can work on becoming more of ourselves, so showing up, and how we can model that to other people. It's also helpful, I believe this came from Princeton, that pointed out that most of us don't use a single communication in every interaction. They're just tools and they can be very relative. In general, assertive communication is most likely to lead to respectful and longer-term relationships, so that's a good style to strive for. But sometimes passive-aggressive and passive-aggressive communication might work better, especially when it comes to being fearful. Sometimes we need to diffuse the situation. Sometimes we need to try to prevent things from getting worse. Sometimes it's a way for us to just simply protect ourselves 
and also give us clarity when we find ourselves doing a form of communication that we don't really want to do. Maybe there's a reason that we're doing it that's serving us for that time and we could acknowledge that. Or maybe there's an opportunity to notice ourselves in a place of communication that we don't really enjoy. And in addition to acknowledging it, we can say, all right, how can I shift things a little bit? How can I go back to that Mark Manson question of what would happen if you stopped? So those are my notes for today. This is the subject matter that I'm so deeply intrigued I like communicating in some forms and other forms. I find communication extremely hard. I think I like podcasting because it allows me to express myself. I can feel more rooted in myself. Uh, but I also love talking with other people and having deep conversations. Sometimes group interactions can feel really hard. I struggle a lot in social. And wow, work, professional, occupational related communication can feel exceedingly hard. But I look at all these opportunities as growth points. This is something that came up in the Beyond Measure chat earlier today is that when we find ourselves in sticky communication situations, we can try to escape them and stop them. We can try to change ourselves. We can also try to learn from them or just let them go. So I encourage you today to, to use this as an opportunity to just reflect Maybe to dig into some of the resources that I shared if you want to learn more. Maybe to see if you can become more empathetic or open-minded. And if you already feel that way, honor that. Acknowledge that within yourself. Those are beautiful qualities and skill sets that we can constantly work on. And if you ever want to come practice communication or be around other people who are practicing, talk with me more. I'd love to communicate with you. While I don't use social media very much, you can find me on some of the platforms. I mean, I'll go and check them occasionally, like the direct messages, although I haven't checked my Instagram in who knows how long. Uh, LinkedIn is a great place to find me. You can send me an email if you'd like. Just keep in mind, it takes me a while to reply. And the best, fastest way to reach me is through that Beyond Measure private community. I absolutely cherish the people that are in there because they are such open-minded, open-hearted, empathetic people. So if you're looking for more people like that, if you haven't hit your 150 Dunbar number, if you have some room in there, I would love to see you there. It's free. I record the podcast there. Sometimes we do various group activities. It's an opportunity for you to connect and talk through whatever is going on in your life. That information is in the description of this episode, as well as the links to the books and other articles that I shared today. Thank you so much for listening, for reflecting, for doing any work on yourself. I acknowledge that. I am actually not fully sure about continuing this series. I, I had finished my notes around communication, but the series doesn't feel complete yet. So I don't know what's next. I want to gear back up for having guests on the show again. So that may happen in the next few weeks or a month, probably, probably a month. I need some lead time. I may go back to sharing some more personal stories like my camping trip I just went on and all sorts of random things. So who knows what the future holds with the next episode, but I will be back and trying to stay very consistent with the weekly releases. So if you ever have 
something that you would like to hear that you're curious about a topic, whether it's going to come just from me or perhaps from a special guest, I would absolutely love to hear that from you. So please communicate with me. All right. That's it for now. Thanks again. And I'll be back soon.